0: All right, let's get into our message today. So I know that's why you came. I know you came for great worship and a great time with the Lord, but you also came to hear a message from God. Let's pray. Let's open our heart. And we're going to really have a great time in the Word of God today. Father, we just thank you for your Word. Thank you that we esteem it higher than necessary food. Lord, we thank you that your Word is so valuable to us. We just thank you, Lord, John 17, 17. Your Word brings separation and sanctification in this world. Father, I just thank you today, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2, that we mix your Word with faith. God, I thank you that you've given me a message this morning for your people. We hear it, we receive it with gladness, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and if you agree, would you just say amen? We are finishing our Emmanuel Go um, Go message today, and I'm fighting off a cold, and how many know the cold is losing? Can I have an amen? Uh, you know that song, I fought the law, and the law won? Well, I fought the cold, and the cold lost. Hallelujah. So deal, deal with me here, and bear with me. Uh, we're going to fight through it, and God's going to help us. But we're finishing our series on Emmanuel Go. And how many of you have enjoyed this, man? It's been a blessing. It's been several weeks since I've actually been able to to teach through this, so we're going to wrap this up today. It's a seven-point series, and it's taken like two or three weeks to get three points, so I've got to do four points in one day. Do y'all think it's possible? How many of you gonna pray for your pastor today? So we're not gonna spend a lot of time on these, but we will review to just quickly get you caught up. You know the Bible says, go into all the world. It says, go into all the world and make disciples. I love what uh, Brother Rick talked about last week. He said, Jesus said, when you follow me, I will make. Say, follow me, follow me. and I will make. Anytime you connect to Jesus, you connect to Purpose. I had never really stopped and evaluated that. Why would someone follow Jesus? Because when you follow Jesus, you get purpose. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say follow me and then all of a sudden you just go to heaven and everything's over. Your job is done. How many of us think Christianity ends when we come down and pray a prayer? Well, I'm saved now. I can go do whatever. That's not the case, friends. Follow me and I will make. Follow me and I will give you this radical purpose. Because you are a life changing agent. How many of you think God has a sense of humor that He would use humans to reach other humans? When I look in the mirror and and at my weaknesses and my flaws, I think, God, you really got a sense of humor that you would want to use me. But I know from the time I was a little baby, God called me to do this and called me to reach people. And there's a calling on your life. Let me just speak to you for a minute, for just a second, off, off my notes here. You do not have to live an empty life. Jesus said in John 10.10 that I would give you life and life more abundantly. The reason I'm connected to the Lord Jesus is because I'm connected to him and his purpose and his passion for my life. When I give my life to Christ, I no longer live for myself. My life is no longer empty. And if you are feeling empty, I encourage you, give your emptiness to the Lord Jesus and let him fill you with purpose. Let him fill you with that. We we find in Luke chapter 5, uh, a story we won 't take time to read it, but let me just recap it. Luke chapter five, one of my favorite stories uh, lessons in all the bible i don 't like to call them Bible stories. I call them Bible lessons because how I many those stories sometimes aren 't true. Are you telling me a story that 's what my grandmother used to say. Are you telling me a story i 'm not as nice to my kids. Are you lying to me? <laughs> Are you deceiving me? <laughs> you worker of deception i mean no oh, you you <laughs> You tell a story, you know, stories. As I like calling call them Bible lessons. At our house, we do Bible lessons. But if, if Bible stories is your thing, no condemnation, just a little bit of condemnation. But we, we find this Bible lesson in Luke chapter 5, and I absolutely love it. These men, these men have compassion on this brother. He's paralyzed. He can't walk, can't move. He's on a mat. Could you imagine being bound to your sleeping mat? Can't get up, can't run and play like the other. Kids can't play football like the other guys. No basketball for this guy. He's bound to this map. And these four men have the compassion, and they heard about this man, Jesus. Now, they didn't have radio. They didn't have television. They didn't have text messaging. Word traveled by word of mouth. And that we can actually do that today. You, There's still things called word of mouth. Can I have an amen? And so Jesus' fame had spread all throughout the cities. And they heard about the deaf man that was healed. They heard about the man that had died and that was raised from the dead. And they'd heard about all the miracles that Jesus did. And they thought, you know what? I bet if we get our friend, if we get this man to Jesus, I bet that he can be healed. And the Bible says they made their way. Four guys carried this guy on a mat to Jesus. This could have been far away. It could have have been a, a little bit of a journey. I have trouble carrying that speaker from that closet to that post right there. I can't imagine four guys laboring to carry this paralyzed man to Jesus and they get there and the parking lot is full of camels all the camels are taking all the parking spots they didn't have cars back then they get there and the house is completely full they can't even get inside how disappointing would that have been all this energy all this effort all this work and i can't even get in and one of them says hey there's a ladder I bet we could get this guy up and maybe we can get in. And long story short, they dig a hole in the roof and they let him, roof or roof, I don't know wherever you're from. They dig a hole in the roof and they let the guy down and Jesus heals him and it's just this amazing testimony. And so we began to see some points here, some principles about going some ground rules for going we'll review quickly just to catch you up but we won't take any time to really explain them number one the first ground rule for going that we learn from these four men we learn from this bible lesson number one you've got to have a heart for the lost can i be blunt and straight and honest with you the reason churches in america are not growing the reason churches in America are declining, you know, a lot of churches are happy if they're staying the same. You understand? Most churches are are thrilled if they just stay the same because people die and people move. So you have to grow by fifteen to twenty percent annually just to see growth because of attrition, people moving and dying, etc. And so churches usually are just happy to stay the same. Have you know? We're not called just to stay the same. We're not called just to be status quo. We're not called to be average. We're called to grow and reach people for the Lord. And so we learn here in this lesson that we must have a heart for the lost and hurting. The reason churches in America are not growing, the reason churches in America are not reaching people, because we're happy with our little clan. We're happy with our little folks, and we are We don't have a heart for the lost. We don't have a heart for the broken. I'm not saying we at this church because I think we do and can grow in that. I'm saying the body of Christ in general, we walk by the lost and hurting all the time, and our heart doesn't hurt for what hurts the heart of God. If you ever sit through a session with Teen Challenge, and we're working on getting them in to share... If you ever sit through a meeting where Teen Challenge is talking to you about all the drug addiction and all the abuse and all the things that they've went through, if you are not touched by that, I question, friends, if you have a heart for the lost and the hurting. When you meet your neighbor, do you see your neighbor or do you see someone afar, afar from, far from the Lord, apart from Jesus? When you see your coworker, is it just your coworker that gets on your nerves? Or do we see a man or woman that is not following God, that their heart is empty? On the outside, they may smile, but on the inside, they're empty because they don't have the Lord Jesus. So we've got to develop a heart. They had a heart for the man and they that propelled them to action. When you have a heart, you'll do something. Can I have an amen? And that starts with praying. We've got to pray for the lost Number three, we've got to have a plan. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Look at your neighbor and say, have a plan. So we want to develop a heart for the lost. Bob, you didn't tell your neighbor to have a plan. You're supposed to obey the guy with the microphone, amen. we got to have a heart for the lost. we got to pray for the lost. And then we got to have a plan, which brings me to what we talked about with our plan. And I gave you five ideologies about being intentional. you got to be intentional. If I'm going to reach my city for Christ, if we're going to reach our neighbors, so proud of BJ last week. Um, his sweet wife was baptized. Beautiful. Uh, thing that went there, and he invited his brother and his sister to come, whom uh, both of which whom have been recently uh, out of church are not really as involved as they'd like to be. And a seed was planted because he invited them to come. He had a plan, and I thank God for that. So we we thank God for for those folks coming. But we got to be intentional. Reaching people for Christ is not just going to accidentally happen. You're not going to be walking down the road, probably not, and bump into Bob and Bob say up. You're just bumping to me. Yes, sir, I'm sorry. Well, I want to get saved right now. That's probably not going to happen. It might, but we got to be intentional. Five ideologies about being intentional. Remember, one, you have to intentionally connect. You have to be intentionally consistent. You have to intentionally care. You have to intentionally be creative. And then you have to intentionally cast the net. And so those are some things that we can do about being intentional, reaching our friends. Now, let's jump into number four. The fourth ground rule for going is don't let difficulty discourage you. Say that with me. Don't let difficulty discourage you. All right, we'll try it again for those of you that were asleep. Ready? Don't let difficulty discourage you. These men, it was so easy for them to become discouraged, but yet they persevered. How many people do you know that if they had carried a man all the way to Jesus and then all of a sudden that they couldn't even get in, how many people do you know would have given up and turned around and said, well, it must not be the will of God for him to be healed. It must not be God's will today because I can't get in. It must not be in the plan of God for our friend to ever walk because we we made this effort, we made a plan, and now we can't get in. We must not let difficulty discourage you. How many of you have prayed for someone to come to the Lord for years and years, and then finally they did, even maybe at the end of their life, maybe a parent or grandparent, but someone you prayed for for years, and finally they surrendered their life to Christ. It happens all the time. What happens is we give up. Christians in America don't like tough things. When things aren't going the way we want them to go, we tend to quit and give up and try something else. But we must continue even in difficulty. Listen to this truth here. I put my notes. You may not always see instant fruit. You may not always see an instant miraculous change. You might, but don't base your going and don't base your reaching on instant fruit. It may not always happen overnight. You may have to continue to pray. You may have to continue to love and continue to serve. Many times, um, Tyler will understand this. How many of you have ever been on a mission trip? Many times, uh, missionary, you'll go on a mission trip. Susan, let's say, goes on a mission trip to Haiti and she's just touched by the kids and she thinks, oh, I love these little kids and she comes back and says, God's calling me to be a missionary and she goes, packs up, sells everything she owns, packs up, and moves to Haiti. One thing I appreciate about the Assemblies of God is the process through which missionaries have to go through. A lot of people don't want to do it. It's very hard, very difficult. It takes about a year and a half, two years. They, a lot of people want to shortcut and get there. If we don't have that process, Susan came back from Haiti, and she says she's called to be a missionary. So she's going to sell everything, and we're going to give her a check, and we're going to help her go, and she's going to be our missionary to Haiti. And then Susan gets there. And it's about two weeks in. And Susan realizes that what she had for Haiti was a burden, but she did not have a calling for Haiti. And there's a difference between a burden and a call. A call says to Tyler and Brooke, they've packed up and moved here to Tennessee. The calling says, if nobody shows up at my meetings, I'm still called. The calling says, when, when the government is moving in this direction and we're hitting wall after wall, the calling says, I'm going to stay because that's where I'm called. You see, the burden will leave when the going gets tough. And so thank God for burdens. We have burdens for Calcutta and, and India and burdens for our inner city. And But I don't have a calling to the inner city. I can tell you, Michael and Candy and his family, the Clarks, when they have hit walls uh, through these years of ministering to inner city kids, I can tell you, when it got tough, if you've got a burden, you're going to give up. But if you've got a calling, you will be stayed. Which is why everybody that runs in the door and says, I'm called to... Be a pastor, I'm called to be a missionary. There needs to be a process through which you go through because if, if once you get into that and it becomes difficult, the call continues to propel you no matter what. And so thank God for burdens. But we must find out what God has called us to and we must not let difficulty discourage us. Do you know that we all, everybody say all, we all have the opportunity to become discouraged. I want to help somebody this morning. When I'm preaching, I'm answering questions. God has prepared in advance your questions, and he's dropped them in my heart, and God wants to answer those questions, and so I want to just share with you that don't feel sub-spiritual because you feel like you're pushing off discouragement. So many times, discouragement can be a temptation. But don't feel like you are not walking with God or don't feel like you are below a spiritual level where someone else is because you are pushing off discouragement. We all have the opportunity to be discouraged. We'll have the best service on a Sunday people will get saved, the music is just going, and visitors are here, and then something goofy will happen on Monday, and you're like, we just had such a high experience, and now it's like, down here, you know, so-and-so is doing this, or this, or this problem, or somebody, I'll never forget, we had a tremendous uh, weekend, and then there was there was an an accident, and I don't remember all the details, but there was something that was real negative the next day, and it's like, man, it was just like, way up here, now I'm real down here, you're not sub-spiritual because you push off discouragement, do not give in to discouragement, Discouragement is like that stray dog that wants to come around your house, that stray cat. If you feed it, it'll stay. Say, I'm not feeding. Discouragement. How I many know there's only two people comes to the pity party? You and the devil. I'm not, I'm not gonna RSVP to my own pity party. I tell you what, I'm not. I'm just not. I'm not gonna be a victim. I'm gonna be an overcomer. Doesn't mean everything's great. Doesn't mean everything's going my way, but I'm just not gonna be a victim. I'm gonna overcome by the power of God. His joy is gonna be my strength, and I'm not gonna be victim to discouragement. But discouragement comes to us all. You have to push it away. Well, pastor, how do I push it away? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and verse 3. How do I push away discouragement? I'm going to show you this, and I'm going to show you another scripture. It, it, uh, here we go. Ready? It says, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another. You quarrel with one another. Guess who he's talking about? He's talking about the church. He's saying you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are still a baby Christian. You're still immature because you are dealing with this. Church people and and men and women of God, we've got to get past some of these small things that are holding us back. You are jealous of one another. You quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? You think I'm a hard, tough preacher? You hadn't heard anything like what Paul would say to his churches. Now, going down to verse 4. When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like people of the world? I follow Jesus. I follow the Lord. Look at verse five. After all, who is Apollos? Who's Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. It's not the man or the woman that is important. It's the man, what the man or woman is pointing you to, which is Jesus. I'll never be a rock star pastor. Never doesn't mean we won't have a great ministry and a large church, but I'll never be one of these pastors that you can't call or talk to. It's And I'll never be the pastor that has to do all the praying and all the baptizing. Do you see how many people were baptized last week by people other than me? You know why we did that? Because there's nothing special for me baptizing you. I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called to lead a congregation, but I don't have any greater access to God than what you have. When we have prayer time, we'll have uh, our prayer team up here praying for you. It's not just, oh, if Pastor James can't pray for me, then I'm not going to get healed. If you have that attitude, God can't help you because you're looking to me and not him. I'll take anybody that believes God's word to pray for me because my hope is in him. My hope is not in a man or not in a woman. Now, should we honor and leadership and all that? On and on. Well, Yes, we all know that, but we don't look to men and women to solve our problems we look to the Lord Jesus he says here each each of us did the work the Lord gave us so he's saying here each of us say this we say each of us say it like you've had some coffee say each of us I can't be the only one with any energy come on now I'm fighting the cold remember come on say each of us say it like you're preaching come on say each of us Each of us, there we go, I like it. Each of us, go back if you can. No wonder you couldn't say it because you couldn't read it. There we go. (laughs) Each of us, each of us. Catch this now. Did the work the Lord gave us. Now, we're pushing off discouragement. Okay, so each one did the work God gave. Now look how they push off discouragement. Look how they fight off discouragement. Are you ready for this? Number six, I planted the seed in your heart and Apollo swatted it. But it was God who made it grow. It was God that brought the increase. I did my part. Matthew does his part. Carrie does his part. Rita is doing her part. Olivia is doing her part. But we're not discouraged if if my part doesn't look as glamorous or if my part is not bearing as much fruit or if my part is not the visual part. I'm not going to be discouraged because I did my part and the results are up to God. I never, I don't get disappointed when I pray for someone and they don't get healed. And let me, let me, let me clarify that. Let me help you with that. Because it's not me. I can't, I can't heal them. Does my heart hurt and do I have compassion because I want to see them well? Yes. But I don't become disappointed to the point where I'm not going to pray for Caleb. If I pray for Nate, is that right? If I pray for Nate, who we're so glad is here today, if I pray for Nate and he doesn't get healed, I'm not going to be so discouraged. Let me, discouraged is a better word. I'm not going to be so discouraged that Nate didn't get his healing that i'm not going to pray for caleb if if nate hasn't received that i'm going to go on i'm going to release my faith and i'm going to pray for caleb i do my work i do my part but god brings the increase look at verse 7 it's not important who does the planting or who does the watering what is important is that god makes the seed grow now look at galatians 6 9 say i will not give up in difficult times this church has is a model of that. Moving here to the school from our other building was very challenging, and been a lot of challenges that you've not even seen. But you know what? Uh, this morning, I, I honestly had a hard time getting out of bed. This morning, I'm pushing off the cold, and I just been a little busy. And that alarm went off at six o'clock, and I thought, oh, but you know what? I thought, you know what? No, this is a commitment. I'm committed to these people. I'm committed to this church. I'm committed to God's work. And boy, I got up and just pushed through it. And how many know I'm here and I'm not discouraged one bit. Can I have an amen? Now check this out. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time. Would you say that with me? At just the right time. Don't give up when difficult things happen. Challenges come your way. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So we cannot let difficulty discourage us. Amen? Is this good? Is this helping anybody? If not, I'll, I'll, I'll go to Denny's or something. Hopefully this is helping everybody. Is there even a Denny's around here? Is there. There's the Shoney's. Amen. All right, number five, the fifth ground rule for going. Number four is don't give up in difficult times. Number five is dare to do the unusual. Why do we do events? Why do we do come to a church and a school? Do you realize last week we baptized people on a public school ground? Did you think about how awesome that is? That's just punching the devil right in the eye, saying, we're taking this city back for Jesus. You gotta dare to do the unusual. I want to warn you that in the coming months, we're going to do some unusual things as a church. Don't be weirded out by the method. The message will never change. I'm just preparing you. God is dropping some unusual things in our, in our heart. But the reason is because we must dare to do the unusual. How many know dropping a man through the roof is pretty unusual? That's pretty creative. And so we must continue to dare to do the unusual. Step out of your comfort zone. See, this is what I want you to know about the welcome baskets. If you are scared to death to do that welcome basket, I challenge you, just do one. And you'll do one. I'll never forget. uh, You'll do one, and you'll feel so free, and you'll be like, that wasn't so bad. We did our first door-to-door outreach. My sweet little wife, Miss Tara, who is back in... Uh, prequest today. Would you encourage when you leave all of our Prequest workers today? I think uh, Miss Tara Lawson is doing the missions. I think Miss Mary Faulkner is in Prequest, and my wife is in Prequest. Would you love on those guys and just encourage them? They're a huge part of what we do here. But we did our first door to door outreach, and I think Miss Sarah might have even been with us. And I did the first one because, you know, I'm the pastor and I'll lead you, lead the way. And and I knocked on the door and then, you know, did it and whatever. And then we said, Bob was with us for sure. And and he was driving us around the neighborhood. And then I said, I I said, all right, team, come on up. And I was real sneaky. Miss Tara was behind me and I knocked on the door. And then I turned around and went like this. And she was just standing there and she had to do the deal. And she after she did it, she's like, you know what? That wasn't that bad. Take a risk. What is the worst that can happen? If you share your story, share your testimony about God's goodness. So proud of Sabrina for spreading the goodness of God on Facebook. She's just spreading the fame of God. Come on, let's give her a hand. Amen. What is the worst that can happen if you share your story with your neighbor? What is the worst that can happen? They may punch you in the face and you may have to get stitches. That's the worst that could happen. That's not so bad. Everybody say, that's not so bad. Come on. How many of you have ever been punched because you shared your story about Jesus? Most people that truly need Christ are appreciative that you cared enough about them to share. They may not be ready to say yes to Jesus, but most people are at least appreciative that you cared enough to tell them, if you do it in the right loving way. If you go, you're going to hell tomorrow, then you may get punched in the face. And rightly so, maybe. Unless God specifically tells you to do that. <laughs> and then, you know, take, take your chances or whatever. But, wow, well, I'm being persecuted for the gospel. No, you're being persecuted because you're a jerk. <laughs> Be nice. It's the good news. <laughs> Come on, somebody say good news. But we got to dare to do the unusual. Step out in faith. Be creative. So many times when people take the first step, God meets them and they realize that they can do this. And their fear was all in their head. Why do you think there's such a barrier for you to do the unusual to reach people for Christ? I honestly believe it's a spiritual barrier because we know it's on the other side of that. When you step out in boldness, God meets you there with power. The first time you ever lay hands on someone that's sick and and ask God to heal them, the first time you ever step out in faith and pray for someone like that, God will meet you in power. And I'm telling you, your faith will be strengthened. And Satan doesn't want you doing that. Satan doesn't want you to be a world changer. He wants you to come to church. Do you know Satan doesn't care for you to come to church? Now, he doesn't like you coming to this church because of what we teach you. But Satan doesn't care for you to come to church. He wants you to come to church and eat all the word of God that you can and grow and grow and worship and sing and get a flag and dance and all that. And then do nothing when you leave this building. He doesn't care at all for people like that to come to church. But when you start stepping out to change your world, when you start making a difference on your college campus like these guys are, look out, look out. Dare to do the unusual. People are always more important than buildings. I put that in my notes here. Thank God for buildings. Uh, I tell you a story of a church locally. They were wanting to have a youth event. And the youth event was going to be bigger than their fellowship hall. And one of the board members was talking to me about it, and it's an older denominational established church. And they said, well, a lot of our guys say that they can't, you know, we don't have any space because we're going to do this youth rally, this youth concert, and we don't have enough room in the fellowship hall. And I said, don't you guys have an auditorium or a, a sanctuary? And we, we, we have always called this the auditorium because it is. But I don't, even at a church, I don't call that the sanctuary because you are the sanctuary of God. The Bible says you are the temple of God. You're not coming into the sanctuary. This place is holy when Susan walks in it. I am now the sanctuary of the living God. This is an auditorium that we worship in. But I said, don't you guys have an auditorium or a sanctuary or whatever? He said, yeah, but they're going to be eating and drinking. And the, a lot of the guys didn't want to eat and drink in there. And I looked at him and I said, you're telling me that because of carpet and a building and a pipe organ on the stage, you're not going to be able to have this youth event where you could potentially reach all these unreached students because you are afraid someone's going to spill Kool-Aid on your carpet. Is this what you're telling me? He said, I never thought about it like that. I said, you go back and you tell that board, and he was on the board. I said, you tell them that, you know what, if there's damage, that you'll raise the money you'll pay for it, and then it's more important to have this youth event than what our building looks like. And he did that, and it was a great event, and God got the glory. People are more important than buildings. Can I have an amen? We need to honor and take care of property. I get it. I understand it. But people are more important than programs. People are more important than the roof. People were more important. Have you ever gone through the roof for anybody? We need to step up and take a risk and go through the roof for for some folks. Look at Hebrews 10, 24. Caleb, would you read this for me, my friend, out loud? Amen. Come on, can we encourage Caleb? Man, I just love this guy. Hope everybody comes next week. We're going to make a a real special announcement concerning him and his involvement with our kids ministry. It's really, really exciting. So hope you come and be a part of that. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm watching you. I'm going to motivate you. We ought to think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. We've got to dare to do the unusual. All right, number six, we're trucking along. I think we're going to make it. Isn't this good news? So not only are we going to not let difficulty discourage us and we're going to dare to do the unusual, number six, we're going to work together to reach people. One thing that is said about this church when visitors come and especially visiting ministers and visiting missionaries, they're amazed at the number of people that are doing the work of the ministry. I mean, there's a very small part that I do here on Sunday mornings. Obviously, teaching is, is very, very important. But everybody's jumping in and everybody's involved. And I have always said, you know what? I am not going to n- neglect my family. I'm not going to burn myself out. This is our church. This is our ministry. I can't do everything, even if I wanted to. God has sent good, capable, qualified people to help us as a team. And I've always said ministry is a team sport. Ministry is not a spectating sport. Ministry is a team sport. We must work together for the common good. That's why Satan wants to divide us, because if we're united, we're unstoppable for the Lord Jesus. I love Psalm 133. Let me just share this. Uh, Psalm 133 says, um, uh, How great and pleasant is unity. And it's like the the uh, the oil running down Aaron's beard. And it says, for there is the place of the commanded blessing. And a lot of people say the oil running down Aaron's beard is the place of the commanded blessing. And I don't believe that. Psalm 133 says, how good and pleasant it is for brothers and sisters to dwell in unity. And then it talks about the anointing. And I understand how that flows. But it says, for there is the place of the commanded blessing. Where's there? The place of Unity. When brothers and sisters are in unity, there's the place of the commanded blessing. When we are working together, if there had only been two men, TC, they wouldn't have made it up on the roof and they might have dropped the man and caused more harm. If there'd only been three, and one guy was, you know, not doing his part, how many of you've ever been helping someone move, and and they weren't really carrying their part of the furniture? You're like, come on, man, carry, do your part, come on! It takes everybody working together to reach people. Look with me at First Corinthians chapter three and verse nine. We are God's fellow workers. We are his servants working together. We're working with and for God. You you are God's garden, and you are God's vineyard, and you are his field under cultivation. You are God's building. We are fellow workers. We're working together. Look at Ecclesiastes 4 and verse 9. Check this out. Bob, would you read this one for me? Ecclesiastes 4 9. Amen. Two are better than one because they get more satisfaction from their labor. We need each other. we got to work together if we're going to reach our community. In our church, get involved in missions. Don't just sit on the sidelines. Jump in. And if you don't know how to do that, ask us, and we'll help you find that process. You will never be more fulfilled never be more satisfied than when you get involved in serving in God's mission. Uh, This fall outreach we're having, jump in and help us, and let's make a difference for the Lord. Everybody has to do their part. Say that with me. Say, everybody has to do their part. It takes a great team to accomplish the mission of God. So we got to work together. All right, number seven, the seventh ground rule for going is you got to be willing to pay the cost. I can see this in my head just the way, the way I think. <clears throat> here they are, sweaty and tired and nasty, and here they are just determined to get this man to Jesus. How determined are we to bring people to Jesus, hurting people, lost people? They get through the roof, they get him down, the man gets healed, they're standing around. What an amazing day. And then all of a sudden it hits one of the guys. Oh man, we just killed this guy's house. <laughs> we just destroyed this guy's house. And I see a cloud over there. How are we gonna pay for this? And I can see in my heart, somebody saying, I'll help. Another brother going, Hey, I'll I'll pitch in. Another sister goes, You know what? I'll I'll help pay this. Look what it, it's not just money. Look what it costs. If we're serious about reaching people for Jesus, it costs money. We know that. But it costs time. It's not just money. There, I, we appreciate your giving and putting money in an offering plate, but reaching people goes a lot farther than just throwing dollars in an offering plate. Please continue to throw dollars in an offering plate. Can I have an amen? Please. But it takes it's a lot more than that. It takes energy, an enormous amount of energy from everybody to make a difference for Jesus. It costs sacrifice, and it's honestly very inconvenient. But we are committed as a church to reaching this community, reaching our zip code for Jesus Christ. I want you to join this team. I just want you to hook on and latch on. Are we going to do everything perfect? No. Are we gonna make mistakes? Yes. Like letting Pastor Michael preach. I mean, come on, I mean, we're gonna make mistakes from time to time. I'm just kidding, I'm just teasing. But hook up with us because we've got good hearts, we've got a good team here, and we can real we can honestly make a difference for the Lord. I believe in my heart, Caleb, that God wants this church to be a light in this community, a light for the darkness, a light for the hurting. I really, I really just believe it with all my heart. Look at first Corinthians nine twelve, and we're gonna let you go we got to give up our rights. You know, as a pastor, I've got the right to sleep in. I work hard all week, 40 hours a week. I've got four kids. My wife has five kids. I'm the fifth kid, by the way, okay? Don't start a church rumor. Just moved, you know, all this stuff. Man, I've got a right. I've got a right to take a week off. I've got a right to sleep in. we got to give up our rights to reach people. Paul said, by any means, do whatever's necessary to win some. Do we have that attitude as a church, by whatever means necessary, do everything we can to win some? doesn't mean you're going to win all, but we can win some. There are some that we can win. You know, well, I've got a right for the music to sound this way. It's too loud. It's too soft. I don't like the style. It's this, that. You know, it's my right. I've got a right to not take up my Saturday. It's my only family day. I've got a right to not take up my Saturday to do this outreach. I'm sorry. It's my right. And we're not asking you to give up every Saturday. You understand that. I've got a right to do this. I've got a right to leave right after church and not help take down, not stepping on anybody's toes there, nobody at all. It's my right to do this. But are people more important than our rights? Now, I'm not saying neglect your family and your health, and you understand that. We teach you balance on that. Paul said, if you support others who preach, why shouldn't you have supported us even greater? We have an even greater right. Somebody say, I have a right. I have even greater right to be supported, but we have never used this right. We would rather put up with anything than to be an obstacle. To the good news of Christ. Boy, if we had church people that had that mentality, well, you know what? It's ain't necessarily my preference, but you know what? God's called me here. He's called me this body. I'll just put up with, now I'm not talking about putting up with immorality. I'm not talking about putting up with not th- things not being done in an excellent way and, and unorganized. I'm not talking about that. But He says, I will put up with anything to not be an obstacle to the good news of Jesus Christ. Say this with me and say it loud. Say, I will not be an obstacle. And I know you're not, but check out this next verse here. Go on down, Jared. When I'm with those who are weak, I'll share in their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I will try to find common ground. How do I lead people to Jesus? Right here it is. I will find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. we got to give up our rights Because it cost. Someone had to be willing to pay the cost of the roof. It cost to bring people to Jesus. Cost time, cost money, cost sacrifice, cost inconvenience. But I'm willing to pay the price. And I know that you are as well. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, as you have called us to go, we accept the challenge. Your heart is for people. And Lord, even though it gets tough and difficult sometimes, we will not give up. We will not be discouraged. Some plant, some water, but God, you bring the increase. Lord, I'm thanking you now. I just sense this, that we're in a season of harvest. God, we've been in a season of planting. Someone in this room, you've been in a season of planting and planting and planting. And you've asked God, you've asked him, will I ever see a harvest? Not only in the physical, natural, are we entering the harvest season, but spiritually, I believe that we're entering the harvest season. Spiritually, I believe as a church, and if you've been asking the Lord, will I ever see a harvest? Will I ever see fruit? Will I ever see the efforts of my labor? Galatians 6, 9, Don't give up and grow weary in doing good, for we will reap a harvest at just the right time if we do not give up. Friends, I'm committed to this thing long-term. I'm committed to this walk with God long-term. I'm committed to my marriage with my wife long-term. I'm committed to my family long-term. And we keep planting and planting and planting, and others may water, and others may harvest. But each one does the work God has called them to do. We'll reap a harvest. I just received that, Lord.